Welcome back to the Shh, Don't Talk About It Summer Remix. This is Megan, and it's my week to pick our re-released episode. This week's re-release is from season two. It's one of my favorites, and it's actually a heavy topic, but also a beautiful one. And I'm going to introduce it in just a second. But first, I have some more lighthearted updates for you all on what's going on over on our Patreon. So if you go to solidlisten.com, there's a link where you can join the Patreon. We have our first ever bonus episode up live right now. It's Raina basically reacting to some of the worst Am I the Asshole posts I could find on the Am I the Asshole subreddit. It's pretty fun. It's available at the $5 tier. We'd love you to go check it out and let us know what you think. We're doing more lighthearted, silly content on the Patreon, and we hope you'll go check it out. The other thing I wanted to share with you all is that Raina and I have set up a Shh, Don't Talk About It hotline for listeners to call in and tell us the things that you want to talk about. So if you have something that has been on your mind that you need to talk about, you can call in. The number is 909-859-0559. It's completely confidential. We will have no way to know who you are. We will not be airing it on main. We'll be using those messages on the bonus content. So if you have something that you want to get out of your brain and you want to do it anonymously, you can call us 909-859-0559. So now... Let's get to this week's re-released episode. It's from season two, episode nine, and it's called He Was Here. Our friend Shafina came on to talk about something that I honestly haven't seen talked about on any other podcast, TikTok channel, Instagram account. It's a pretty taboo topic, but it shouldn't be. Shafina came on to tell us about her son, Kyrie, who was born stillborn. We talk about this a lot in the episode. It really needs to be discussed. As I was prepping for this intro, I looked it up, and each year, 21,000 babies are born stillborn. And because we live in a society that says that some grief is bigger than other grief, So, for example, a stillborn child is not as painful as losing a child later in life, goes the social narrative. That's 21,000 families, no no place to talk about what they've experienced, and no one listening to their story. And in this week's episode, Shafina does a beautiful job helping us step inside her story, helping us get to know her son and her family. And I remember in the interview really feeling her loss with her really feeling that pain and then also feeling just this really kind of golden light, this golden thread that was her and I think also her son that was just really beautiful. I personally decided to re-release this episode, yes, because I think it's a topic that needs to be more out in the open And also because it hits close to home for me. So I had an older brother. His name was Daniel. He died the day he was born. 
we never met, obviously. And he wasn't stillborn, but my parents' experience was really close to Shafina's, except they went through this in 1981. Even less support. My mom never even got to hold him. We don't have pictures. We have the, his ashes. And growing up, I thought a lot about Daniel. I was so curious about him. I spent a lot of time trying to understand what happened. We did not talk about it. I had to dig through this drawer in the bottom of my parents' dresser that was like the Daniel drawer that held all the information. And I just wish that he was someone that my family had been able to talk about more. I wish that my parents had more support to be able to talk about this child that came before. I think about him a lot still, and I'm almost 40. And I just wanted to reshare Shafina's story for other parents and families and siblings who might feel lonely in their loss in the same way that I remember my family feeling lonely and silent in that loss. So as a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? 
Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I hope you all enjoy. Again, it's a beautiful episode. She's an incredible person. And please let us know what you think. Hi, I'm Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them. And we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Don't talk about it. Season two, episode eight. He was here. Before we get into it, let's cheers our claws. Cheers, girl. Cheers. So a little content warning for today's episode. We're talking about stillbirth, and we just want to say that up front so that anybody who might be listening who has experienced this knows what's coming and is able to take care of themselves while listening to the episode. We were really honored for this episode to be in the presence of This woman, Shafina, who experienced a stillbirth. Yeah, yes. And I know it's so fucking hard to listen to, to talk about, but this shit happens and we need to talk about it and we need to shed light on this. And Shafina was so generous with her story and her experiences to share with others that I'm just really grateful that we had her here for this. Me too. And I think... What's really important, and I just I want everyone to hold this in their mind as they listen, is that by listening, by recording this episode, by talking to Shafina, by putting this out there, we're bearing witness to the fact that her child was here. Yes. He existed. And I think that's just really important to say, both for Shafina and also for anybody who has experienced something similar. Your child was here and we know they were. Yes. And he continues to live on. Yeah. With everything that she's been doing, you'll hear in this episode, the way that he's been living on. It's pretty amazing. So here's Shafina. Enjoy. Thank you. So Shafina is joining us today to tell us about her experience with stillbirth, which is a really big topic. We're so grateful for you to be here. I love your podcast and I love what you guys are doing. So I'm honored to be here with you guys. Thank Thank you. you. We thought it was very important to bring you on today because I think a lot of women may experience this or be fearful of experiencing it. And perhaps you can lend some, some guidance for anybody. So why don't we start with, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? I feel like when I get asked this question, the chorus identity that I like reson- that resonates with me is that of a mom. Mm-hmm. And it's connected to this story, but also I'm the mom of two other children. 
Koa and Kamari, and I feel like everything I do is through that kind of, I'm a executive at a consulting firm, and I do a photography in mm-hmm. my spare time, but I'm a, a friend and a sister and a mom. You do so much, and it sounds like your kids are really, like, your why. Like, they're your heart. Totally. Yeah. That's a good that's a good one. <laughs> That's really beautiful. And I think it highlights why it feels so important for you to tell your story of this child who you are also a mom to, who didn't get to stay. Yeah. And we were wondering if you could start out with just sharing with people why you think it's important for us to talk about stillbirth. It's really hard to talk about. You're being so courageous in doing so. So why did you want to come share this really hard experience you had? Yeah. I don't think we talk about this enough. I think for me, I didn't, I've said before, I didn't even know, I didn't know what stillbirth was. It didn't, it wasn't in my frame of that. This is something that happens until it happened. And then I was so unprepared for it. I think I, I had a uh, Koa was born at 32 weeks, so I knew that babies can, could come up, but I didn't know that babies can die and they can die before they're born mm-hmm. and that that's something. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I think we, we are afraid to talk about things that feel hard. And I think it happens to more people than we realize. One in four women will have a miscarriage, which is typically defined as like anything before 20 weeks okay and one in 160 will have a stillbirth and that's 20 to 40 weeks mm-hmm. our son Kyrie was 34 and a half weeks so we were at the end of the end felt in sight mm-hmm. and we had passed where our first son was born and he's healthy mm-hmm. so we knew that 34 and a half weeks babies should live and learning that it was just a hard it was hard to learn that it was a hard it was like a traumatic and heartbreaking experience. And yet there's a lot of women who have that same experience and you don't know because we just don't, we don't talk about it. So I think for me, wanting to share my story is about, there's always, I think a little bit of healing that happens when people have an opportunity to share some. And also just to let, I think, to bring light to it. We're not talking about it. Yeah. And why not? It is so heavy and there are one in four, one in 160, and that is a lot of women that have had to go through this and there's so much to be talked about. When did you know that you were, did you know that you're gonna have a stillbirth? Yeah, so everything in the second pregnancy had been going pretty fine. We were monitoring this pregnancy closer because Koa had been born at 32 weeks. We were trying to stay pregnant as long as possible. I think I was taking like progesterone injections every week or so after a certain amount of time. And we were, I could check in with the doctor anytime. I had a great team who was overseeing this pregnancy. And what happened was one evening, I just hadn't felt him move a whole bunch. And so I I was feeling a little nervous about that. Yeah, I was like telling myself it's not a big deal. I'll just go in the morning. And I mm-hmm. called the doctor in the morning and said, hey, can I just come in and have, I want to hear his heartbeat, which was a normal thing for us. Like they had said, come in anytime you want. I went in that morning. I called my work. I called and I said, I want to swing by the doctor's office first. And I think the only thing I thought that could happen was that I was going to have the baby early because Uh that, that I knew was possible, but I don't, I didn't understand stillbirth. I didn't understand that babies could 
die that it wasn't it in just the right like, yeah it wasn't yeah. it was not in my frame when i got there i saw like my favorite nurse was working who i love her we went back in she was looking for his heartbeat and i feel like in those moments i laid there and she said just turn over on your side have, having me move i could see her struggling and i think at that point i knew something was wrong and tears just started Aww. i think i just laid there and i and she was like don't it's it's okay we're gonna just hold on because i don't think it's normal it's normal in that it happens in one in 160 women, but it's not an everyday occurrence right, right. even in a doctor's office. No. So mm -hmm. they're so invested in you also and have been yeah. caring with caring for you. She brought another nurse in and they kept trying and then the doctor came in who was not my regular doctor that I had been seeing, but I had seen her before. And at that point, I think I was just a mess. <laughs> Were you by yourself at that I point? Was, you hadn't called your husband or anything yet? It was so fast. It happened so fast because they were like trying to find the heartbeat and then, yeah. you And know, then you went in. I just want to hear it and yeah. then I'm going to go to work. And then I'm going to go to work. Yeah. And yeah. she sat next to me and she had turned off the thing and she held my hand and she said, Shafina, I'm just so sorry, but there's no heartbeat. Oh, and it was like, oh, I think I just lost it. Yeah, yeah. It was so hard. And I remember like just hugging the nurse who was with me for so long because mm -hmm. I was just so devastated. And then my phone rang and it was my husband. Oh shit. And he was just calling to check in. And so he, I can't speak for his story, but his story started with a nurse answering my phone oh, for me and saying, you need to come here. And I think he thought that the baby was coming early because again, we didn't know that could happen. Yeah. So at that point they had me go and they did a bigger ultrasound or the regular kind of big ultrasounds and uh, confirmed it. And I think at that point I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? They're, I just, my brain couldn't process it. Yeah, it was just too much. It yeah. was too much. And then we met with the, the maternal, I don't know, the doctor that yeah. works with higher risk pregnancies. Uh -huh. And she was very matter of fact about what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. So that's, you're getting so much information is flooding to you. You right. want to know why you don't get to know why yeah. um, you just get to know that. All right. You're 34 and a half weeks pregnant, belly out to here and your baby's died. Yeah. And now here's your options for how to get your baby out because you have to give birth. Oh God. And so it's just a lot. My, my husband was with me at that point yeah. and we were listening to our options. And later that night we would check into the hospital to start the process of giving birth to our baby. Damn. What yeah. was it? What were those moments? Just you're taking in all this information that makes no sense about something that you didn't even know could happen. What were those early moments like between the two of you? If that's not too personal. Yeah, I think we were both just so heartbroken Yeah, and trying to make sense of it. I think like Craig came into it unknown, right? Like he, he didn't know what was happening. He mm -hmm. got there thinking that maybe baby is coming early. And then it wasn't until I said, there, there's no heartbeat yeah. and he just broke down. And so there, his grief process has looked so different than mine. And in those moments, I think we could just be there for one another and hold each other and cry. And after we got the technical instructions of what is happening, we had mm -hmm. to leave in our separate cars because we had come oh, at different God. times and we yeah. had to 
we had to coordinate. We had a five-year-old at mm -hmm. that time. And we had to figure out how do we explain this to Koa? How do we, who do we call? We called like my best friend on the way home because we had to pack and then talk to my brother and my sister and my mom. And it was just a flurry of yeah, things. Totally. totally. Your whole life just got rocked in like an instant. Yep. That's damn, that's a lot. Yeah. So we like, we went to the, we went to the hospital and the hospital staff were wonderful and considering. And the next day we would have him and they, and it was like a natural birth. I had an epidural, but we had him and I remember those, my family was there. They had come and the nurses were wonderful, like had taken a room next to us and brought them food and let everyone come. So my whole family, my cousins and my my immediate family were able to be there. And then it was just Craig and I in the room when we had him. And it was hard, it was, it was so heartbreaking. Yeah. It was like, yeah you expect to give birth and hear a baby cry oh, right. and it's quiet. Yeah. And you knew that. Before, and you knew it. Yeah. Before even giving birth, you knew that was coming. Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing than giving birth and then having a stillbirth. Like you knew, like that's all of this is horrible. Yeah. And it's a whole nother thing when you know what's going to come. Yeah. And to not hear that and, oh. Yeah. And you gave it, so you gave birth vaginally or yeah. naturally. And so they had to, you had to have the whole contractions and labor and all of that. Yep. They gave me Pitocin to start, you know, labor the night before. And then by the morning, I think my doc, I saw, I finally got to see my doctor and she was like, you get an epidural at this point because it was starting, like the contractions were happening. Oh God, so you had to go through all of that. Plus the emotional pain. I'm just the physical pain. Yeah. Yeah. Like the splitting that your mind must have been doing. And I think if it was me, I would have been in total denial. Like my body, I'm giving birth. It feels like I'm giving birth. Like maybe there's a chance that oh, they're totally. wrong. They're totally. Yeah. I, I believed that there was yeah. a part of me that was like, I'm like, they'll be wrong. I yeah. like, yeah. He, like he's going to be alive. There has always been that hope. And I think that's the hardest part of the grief was like, there's so much even holding, mm -hmm. I was like, if I hold him, I know there's stories that like mothers who like hold their babies on their chest and they'll wake up. And even though I knew like he was no longer here mm -hmm. holding his body, like I wanted him to be alive so yeah. badly yes. that I, in my mind, I think I needed to think like, like maybe this could happen. Yeah. Like it's all yeah. something magical. Something magical is yeah. going to happen, even though it's so not real. But I think you're just trying to cope so much with what is happening that it's impossible not to be in that kind of bargaining. I'll do anything to make you come back. What can I do? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. I mean, we, we, one of the things that I think people maybe don't realize when you have ba a baby who has died is nowadays in the past where they maybe didn't let you hold your baby and mm -hmm. keep your baby or with you see them. Yeah. or see them. Now it's really seen as something you should do. And I know for some women, they can't, for whatever reason, they don't want to see their mm -hmm. baby. They, and maybe they're okay with it. Maybe they regret it later. I don't know. But for me, I needed to be with him. I would have held him till there was nothing left of him. Mm -hmm. I would have, I needed that. And they let me, they were so kind and loving the nurses that we had. 
helping wash his body and put a hat on him and Mm -hmm. take pictures of him and allow you to mother him or to parent him Mm -hmm. for as long as you needed. At night, they put the little bassinet next to me so we could sleep. And this was a hard part for Craig because his body was changing. You, our bodies aren't, when we die, our bodies aren't meant to be out for long. And yet I wanted so badly. I couldn't imagine him being in the hospital without me. Mm -hmm. I like couldn't, I couldn't send him away yeah. and stay. And yeah. I was like, I can't do that. He has to be with me. And so that was a moment that I really appreciated from Craig because I knew it was really hard for him to see our baby change. And I needed it so badly yeah. that that just meant so much. And in the night I brought him to me and I literally held him like this in my arms all night. And I wanted, I just, it sounds weird. I feel like I wanted to inhale him. I yeah. wanted to well, remember so every much, single thing about him. Not, yeah, it's not weird. Um, he was so much a part of you. He was growing inside of you. You wanted him back inside. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's weird at all. What you just said, like I would have held him till there was nothing left like that. I think that says it all. Yeah. And I think anybody would have had this, many people would have had the same reaction. You're right. Maybe some people would just need to completely shut it down in order to survive the moment. Yeah. It's wonderful that parents are allowed to stay with their baby as long as they need. And that they're not just whisked away and you're just left there to lay and recover with, with knowing that there's a baby somewhere in the hospital that's yours and you don't get to know where they are. Or see them see what they look like anything yeah and we were lucky with the nurses we had the night that I the day that I gave birth the nurses that came on that morning were phenomenal like she I know her like we we have met her again and to thank her Mm -hmm. she was such an amazing part an important part of our story Mm -hmm. and we had some experiences that weren't like as as loving as she was and so I think like how there's an opportunity there for when we think about how do you care for mothers who are going, or families who are going through this, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so hard yeah. uh, to know how to like show up for people in that way. Where do you think the like medical field or the labor and delivery field needs to like catch up to the reality of how to support a traumatized person? Because you're so aware that you're, what is happening right now is different. I think there's a level of not defensiveness, but protection, mama bear instinct to like, to ensure that anyone who's looking at your baby understands that this is a real baby. They are beautiful. They are like, they look like there's so much of a desire, I think, to protect that people, I think, and it's heightened. So I think how you enter a room what you say, if you look uncomfortable, is it because of my baby? Are you judging me? Are you judging that I'm sleeping with him? Is that weird to you? Are mm-hmm. like, is what I'm doing wrong? There's so much questioning, I think, of yourself that doctors and nurses, I think, need to know if they know that and yeah. how you enter into this space might be different. And I think listening to what your patient is requesting and what they need is obviously like the most important thing to do. I think they do a great job at like where we, I think there's like special signs on the door so people know who is, that this is, what is happening in this room. Yeah. And like I said, like before we even had the photographers who came to take photos of 
our baby with us, our nurse wasn't sure they were going to come and she went and got her camera and, and took photos for oh, us oh, so wow. we could have those and put them on a CD and gave them to us. So there are some folks like her who are yeah. doing, I hope everyone gets, who has to go through something like this has that kind of support in the hospital. From that moment forward, what did your life look like? Yeah. Nothing was the same. I feel like I am not the same person I was before. I think there's a level of not, I don't want to say jadedness, but there was something that was like lost either literally, but then yeah. there was something that I just saw the world differently. And I would say in the immediate year, like that first year was probably it's a blur in some ways. It's yeah. like, how yeah. did I survive that year? I, yeah. I must have just been walking through motions, but there was so much sadness. Yeah. There was so much like blame and wondering about myself and what I did wrong or what could I have done? There was like, it just shows up in the weirdest ways. I wanted to know everything there was to know about stillbirth. I was mm -hmm. like, if there was a movie that came out about a baby who died, mm -hmm. I needed to see it. Plus my best friend who mm -hmm. would go to me, go with me. I think she was like, always really sad. Yeah. I think she was like, I don't know if yeah. this is a good thing. <laughs> and I was like, just no, it's I have to see it. I yeah. have to see it. I have to believe that there's something else. And if a movie can tell me that there's some other life that I will see my baby in, yeah. then I need to see it. Even yeah. if it's a Hollywood production, I just right. needed that. So yeah. that first year was, all sorts of like emotions and sadness. And for folks who were trying to support me, I think there was like, there was nothing, there was no winning. There was sure. nothing they would give because I was, nothing was right with me. There was nothing that could make anything better because yeah. the only thing that would, could be better is if he was here and yeah. that would never happen. <laughs> so yeah. there was a lot of that. And I think what I was blessed with was that I had people who never gave up but trying mm -hmm. to figure out what it is that how could they show up for me and what was it that I needed and so I had good support too like a lot of the women in my life I think were very supportive and wanting to talk and make space for me and whatever it was that I needed and so over over the I wrote a lot blogged a ton that first year I read like a woman's, I found like a woman's blog and I, I read it from like in one night, I think from start to finish and she had a similar experience. Her posts became less frequent and she had children. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, read this whole thing. And I was like, I just needed to be connected to yeah. others who were going through that. Something yeah. to grab onto. Totally. But I think what you just said is so important for people supporting a grieving person to remember, like you can't win. No one can win grief and you're all looking for answers, the grieving person and their loved ones to something that just doesn't have an answer. So yeah. Like you, you just have to go through that amount of time, however long it is where you're grasping at whatever thing that you're grasping on or whatever thing you've latched onto that becomes like, this is going to show me the answer. It's yeah. probably not, <laughs> yeah. but it's the thing that you're grabbing onto right now. And I'm so glad you had people and have people in your life that were patient with you because it does seem like our culture wants to put a time limit on grieving. Like the bad things happen, the bad thing happens and the clock starts ticking for when your grief is allowed to take up space and when you have to go back to quote unquote normal. Yeah. I feel like that is been something that I've been navigating over the mm -hmm. last couple of years where I, the first year 
and even into the second year, I think there was a lot of are you, like a lot of questions and a lot of like folks available, and it's trickled. My family has never wavered. My close friends have never wavered. But how people respond, I think, does change, and you learn to adjust to that. And it hurts still yeah. because I think what's important for moms with stillborn babies is that you say their name, that you remember that they were there like they're a baby right yeah i can't like the worst the hard the hardest thing is to think that people would forget him or not or think that he could be replaced with a new baby or like maybe she's okay now or anything like that or it's been five years why does she still post about it or whatnot and so i think there's i've been really open with my grief over the last five years mm -hmm. i post on social about, about him i talk about him openly and I don't know how that makes people feel necessarily anymore. I think you're right. I think society puts a timeline on how long you're allowed to grieve and when you're supposed to, from the from how much time you get right. from the time right. leave. I know. To two days. Yeah. You're like, okay. <laughs> oh, you're better yeah. now. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. To like, it's been it's been a few years. You're fine now. Or people who don't understand stillbirth or think who want to compare grief or something right. like he wasn't really born. Yeah. Is it, please tell me is that it something? no one actually said that. No. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. Taking off my ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who, who no. was it? Okay. No, but I think that exists Jesus. for so many people. I'm sure. Right? Yeah. That, like, totally. that you don't get to grieve as long because it wasn't someone else. It wasn't like, and and I hate that comparison of people, women who lose babies before 20 weeks to women who lose babies now to women who lose babies when they're older. It's a different, it's a different experience. And I would never ever compare my experience to any other woman's experience. It's all valid. And I think what connects us all though is that experience of grief and that crosses, whether it's loss of a friend or a partner or whatever that loss is, I think that experience of grief is connecting and resonates the sadness I can connect to anyone. For sure. For sure. And I feel when people do try to say or limit your grief or feel uncomfortable and say shit like that, I think that just comes down to their own uncomfortableness or discomfort with it. It has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with your loss, nothing to do with anything but their own discomfort of what am I supposed to do with this? You're supposed right. to, you're, you're supposed to be fun and let's go out and whatever. You know what I mean? Please me right now yeah. kind of thing. But you're just like, you know, I mean, that was, that's like where you're, where you can decide who your friend, real friends are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I think you really do see who, who sticks around and who says things. I'll say I was really surprised with some folks who reached out who are in my community, but not directly like I hang out with them all the time, mm -hmm. but who continue to show up in a way, whether they're donating, you know, we do March of Dimes every year for Kyrie, like whether they donate to that, to whether I get a card in the mail, to a text message because they put it in their calendar. Like there are mm -hmm. people who have really surprised me and those moments mean mm -hmm. so much because yeah. It doesn't take that much time to put it in your calendar and to, if that can mean something to somebody else that you remember their baby's name or you remember their anniversary, those little moments go a long way, especially over time. Like when you don't expect to hear it as much folks. Because it just shows that you, they, they don't forget and you definitely will never forget. And it's just to, yeah, to know those dates 
Oh yeah. Then, then whoever knows you too also is around you during those times. You no, know, yeah. his anniversary or yeah. up leading up to that. I wonder if you've had any sort of leading up to that date in February, even now, do you get anxious? Do you get... Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like our bodies remember and I feel like it's a season, right? February starts to come near and I start to feel it in my bones. That's never gone away. I think the lead up is always harder than the next day. It's like the very next day I can like, okay, I can move, I can keep moving on. The lead up has been something that I've learned to take time off, take a couple of days off from work leading up to it. Give yourself self space to process and to reconnect what feels reconnect to those feelings. Like I, for me, I need to, for that first year, I felt like I had to be sad because it was the way to be close to him. And if I leave that sadness, I'm somehow leaving him yeah. and that feels like, how could I do that? Even to the point of, I need to sit where his ashes are mm -hmm. in the same room and be close. And if I like, there's that feeling Yeah. and the weeks leading up to it, I feel like I need to reconnect to that somehow. And so I might write in the blog again mm -hmm. or give myself time to look through pictures and just try to find some time because I find myself when I don't give myself that time, I feel resentful of all the reasons why I didn't, whether it's work or whatever. And so now I've just learned that, nope, I take a week off before. Um, that's just part of what we do. And we put our energy into really wanting to do something to honor him. And mm. so every year we do something on his anniversary, my family and my husband and I and Koa, this year we decided that he would have been entering kindergarten mm -hmm. and what we wanted to do is we donated a whole building block station mm -hmm. for the kindergarten class at mm -hmm. our local elementary mm -hmm. and every year now we're going to follow that class mm -hmm. and where he would have been and do something that Aww. will be meaningful. Wow. We mm -hmm. built a little plaque that says build the impossible in honor of Kyrie mm -hmm. and then the date, the Gar like Love Gardner family. Mm -hmm. But doing stuff like that, like we, we participate in the March of Dimes and we raise money for to, to hope that women don't have this experience in the future. Those mm -hmm. are all things that allow us to put our energy into doing something with this. Yeah, That's been really I think it's healing and it feels like we're doing something good. Yeah. Um, and then in his it. name and mm -hmm. his experience and your experience as well. And, and it's good for Koa. It's yeah. so good yeah. for Koa. Yeah. It, like he, he has his own story. Yeah. And he was five. He knew exactly what was happening. Yeah. We met him. Mm -hmm. He, we talked very concretely about what happened and like he was with us in this year of like incredible sadness that first year. Mm -hmm. And so he is probably the most empathetic and oh. like sensitive and loving kid mm -hmm. there is. And I think a lot of that is because of what he's experienced. Mm -hmm. sure. I've, I love what you're doing in, in, in his honor or creating experiences. We can't take away what has happened and we can continue. What we can do is try to create experiences to help with that story, change the the narrative or however you want to word it where yeah it's horrible and it's sad and it's should never happen but it did happen and now what do i do with this and i think with all a lot of horrible things you can at some point you have to decide how long to i guess suffer i guess you, you can say that i just i love the idea that you have decided to put in other memories every year 
every year there's a new memory of something great, something in his honor, and you're still you're still remembering him, but in a different way. We did yeah. this on his mm -hmm. anniversary, so you're not just remembering the day that that horrible that happened, but you're remembering five years of the last five years of something you guys have done yeah. as a family in honor of him, and those will get ingrained and. Because it's all what we do with all this shit that fucking happens to us. What do we do with all of this? Yeah. But it's like the story of him gets to keep growing and yeah. getting bigger. And I, someone was talking to me recently, I don't even remember who, about suffering, being mm -hmm. part of life, and figuring out how to suffer wisely. <laughs> Which is like, I had to sit with that for a while like after that conversation. But it strikes me that that's the way that you're approaching this it's it's very wise and he's very much a part of the family and i just i think that's really beautiful that yeah. like his memory extends beyond just what happened yeah yeah you keep him alive in that sense his memory his energy his beingness because i don't i honestly don't believe that we're just matter so seeing that ripple effect from his birth, you know, from yeah. his story and how it's the ripple effect going out affecting so many other lives. Like, I think I it's a beautiful that. thing. Yeah. Because it's still going and because of you, because you and your family have decided to, to create something beautiful out of this horrific tragedy. Thank you. I, yeah, I feel it's, I love that. I think, and it's taken time. Yes, absolutely. And I think my, like, when I think of other women who are going through this or are hearing this kind of news mm -hmm. now, it's, I always feel all the feels and there's no wrong or right way to grieve and there's no timeline. There doesn't have to be a timeline to your grief. So if sitting in the sadness is what you need to do, then sit in the sadness. And mm -hmm. if working your butt off to not think about it is what, like whatever it is you need to do. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, when I think back to that time, I know how hard it was and I'm grateful that time in those moments I didn't want time to move I needed it to stay still oh. and I can see now I'm so grateful that time has moved because it's allowed us to process things and to do exactly what you're saying mm -hmm. to honor Kyrie in different ways and to ensure that his memory like has impact the kind of impact that we want to see yeah yeah I was gonna ask actually if there if you have advice for that one in 160 women that will have to go through this. You've probably learned a ton. What would you say to somebody getting this news or somebody just freshly through this experience? Yeah. Oh, I think it is, I can't say don't blame yourself. Don't do yeah. these things because right. they're gonna do, you have to feel whatever you need to feel. And I think it's so important for people to know that no, there's nothing wrong with what you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with how you choose to give birth. There's nothing wrong with your choice to parent in the hospital. There's nothing wrong with how you choose to grieve or what you choose to share. That all of it is because I think we question everything and none of it is your fault. There, We don't have a reason for why this happened. We'll never have a reason. There's no medical reason for it. There's nothing I did, but believe me, I was like, it's the coffee. I drank too much coffee. I did all the things. It's not gonna do any good to sit in that space of blame. So if you need to do it for a minute, do it for a minute, take a deep breath, and now what else can you do? So I think just giving yourself grace and giving yeah. yourself time and 
knowing that you're normal, anything that you feel and say, it's fine. You're allowed to feel, you're allowed to not want to be around babies. You're allowed to not want to be around pregnant people. You're allowed to say what you want to say about it and then change your mind later. Like you're allowed all those things. And my hope is that people have confined that one person or multiple people who can support them in that and not judge them. Yeah. And so on the flip side, what can people do yeah. to support their friends or people who is to be there and to be like, to not give up checking in, to not tiptoe around because you're worried you might make them nervous or you're not sure, ask, say the name, say, I wanna be here for you, but I don't know what the fuck that looks like, yeah. but I love you and I wanna be here sit next to them, cry with them, go to those movies that they want to go to, like whatever yeah. it is, just be there and don't forget. Yeah. Thank you for that. I think all of that is so, as somebody who has definitely gone through the agreement loss of somebody, it's helpful for others to share what, it's very similar mm-hmm. across the board of what the needs are. And that the main theme is just fucking be there. You know what I mean? No matter how uncomfortable you might be feeling or awkward or you don't know what to say or what not to say or whatever, just just be there. Just check in just because, yeah, and don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Yeah. It's okay, you're here. I don't want you here. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you here right now, but I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Don't take that personal. Yeah. Give us yeah. grace as well. Give the grievers grace. I thought and I wanted you here, but now you're <laughs> here, and I just want you to leave. So, and you leave. So I just needed to know that yeah. you're going to show up. Yeah. 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 You come back tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's so important just like to for everything to just be so fluid and let it flow and not to put any fucking rules on anything or restrictions or and just give everyone grace in this whole process because nobody knows what the fuck to do. Yeah. And in a sense, yeah, we are all connected and we're all in this together. Whether you are the griever or the friend of a grieving person, yeah. grief, it's a fucking, it's horrible and it's lifelong and it's just figuring out how to, like Megan has mentioned before, live but live side by side with grief and not let it consume you and you consume your life. Obviously you're going to go through your, yeah, the process as you will. Yes. Get fucking sad, scream or ignore it all or whatever. It's going to come back. It's going to be there. It's always there. Shafina, we just wanted to invite asking if there's anything else that you want to share about your son. No, because yeah. he was here. Yes. And we want to honor that and give you space to say anything that you want to say or that you want people to know about him. Kyrie was like, yeah, he was here, right? Like he was real. He was our baby and he's our light. We say we see you in the light of the sun. We feel you in our soul. And that's because we feel like we, when we said goodbye to him, that on a cloudy day and the sun suddenly shone through, we feel like that was our sign from him, that he's okay. I could feel Kyrie's energy and the love and the beautiful spirit. I don't know. And how you continue to like continue to honor him and do things in his name for him and spread his name out there. And that energy, that beautiful energy, because of course you felt it when he was inside of you. Yeah. Growing him, you create a relationship with the, I could only imagine, I've never had a child, but I could only imagine that you can sense 
the type of energy or the type of being that you're growing inside of you. And when you saw him and everything, just a release of that energy and that spirit and that soul. He's so loved by so many and he was so wanted. Yeah. Thank you for sharing him with us today. Yes. Thank you. And thank you for sharing you and your story with us today. It means so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Yes, us too. This (laughs) is a heavy fucking experience, heavy everything, you know, that a lot of people don't talk about, don't want to talk about, don't want to hear about, but there's so many people that do want to hear about it and just relate and be the one who reads a blog all night long because they want somebody to connect to and know that they're not alone in this experience, that there's nothing that they fucking did wrong and there's nothing that they're doing wrong. They just want that. So what you're doing today is just very honorable to you and brave and generous of your time and your, all of it. Whoever is going to be listening to this, there, here it is again, Kyrie <laughs> spreading his energy out there. Yes. Listeners, if you have a similar experience and after listening to this episode, you feel like you want to talk about it, we're open. Please join us in hearing the lessons that Shafina has shared. Please join us in sharing your stories and... Shafina, nothing but love to you and your family. Thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thank you. Bye, everybody. See you next week. See you next week.